0: Today, I have Noah Galloway with me. He is an American soldier. He's a veteran. Um, He has been on Dancing with the Stars. He's been on Ellen. He's been all over the place. But um, I'm privileged to have him here on the Rising Above podcast to share his story. So I guess without any further introduction, how are you doing today, Noah?
1: I'm doing really good, David. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. Um, Again, like I said, I came across your story online and I see that you wrote a book called No Excuses. Mm-hmm. I love that title, by the way.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was. it's living with no excuses. Uh, it was funny when I when I wrote it, when we were going through the process of writing it, the, the publishing company didn't want it to say no excuses or anything that had to do with no excuses. And they didn't even like living with no excuses. But I fought to keep that. And I'm really happy with the title that I ended up with, because that's what I wanted. Why didn't they uh, want that? Uh, They were afraid that it was going to come off like a fitness book and not a memoir, not, you know, a a story of my life. So I saw where they were coming from, but then it was just a lot of back and forth because I felt like this is who I am. This is this is my story. And everybody, you know, as I started to build a social media platform, everyone was talking about no excuses. So I wanted that in the title. And I eventually threatened to drop them. And they finally said, okay, well, you can do whatever <laughs> you want. <laughs> so it worked out to my advantage because they could have said, okay, we'll go, go somewhere else. <laughs>
0: right, right. Well, that's awesome. I'm, I'm happy that you're able to keep that title because I, I love it. I mean, because oftentimes I, I talk about it all the time on the podcast. When people go through traumatic things, they find every excuse in the book to not get up and, and, and you know go forward in life they want to stay in that spot. And uh, I think, I think, uh, you know, for somebody like you to say, you know, there's no excuse, it speaks measures.
1: You know, and you're right, like, you don't have to go through, you don't have to lose your arm and leg to, you know, want to quit. I mean, it's, it's it's in all of us, you know, people all the time, we hit barriers in our life, and we want to just stop. And you know, I'm not one of those people that, you know, is like, you just got to pick yourself up by your bootstraps and keep going. No, no excuses means, you know, getting help if you're going through depression or you're struggling, you know, but to always want more. I tell my kids all the time, you don't want to just be average. You've got to want, in fact, just yesterday, my 14 year old son has recently gotten into fitness. So for the last couple of months, we've been working out. It's always it's, oh, it's got me excited, him excited. That's we cool. go to the gym real often. We were there yesterday. And it was leg day and he got in that squat rack and he's like, oh, I'm so sore. I was like, you know what? I was like, this isn't normal. I said, you know what? We're not normal. Do you want to be normal? He's like, no, I still would it start squatting. You know, <laughs> that's <what> it is.
0: <laughs> that is awesome. Um, that's, it's beautiful that, you know, it's, it, your kids can see that and that, you know, you're living that day to day. Um, So do you mind explaining who you are and where you're from? Let's kind of get into your story a little bit. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So um, I'm from Birmingham, Alabama. This is where I grew up. And I uh, was in college at the University of Alabama at Birmingham uh, when September 11th happened. It was my first year in college. I had been on my own already. And and I decided maybe I needed to do something better with my life. I was working in a plant that I loved working at, but it's like, where am I going to go? So I ended up in college, and when 9-11 happened, I watched that unfold on the news, and I remember watching, worrying about everyone in that, that one twin tower, and then watching that second plane hit, and the screams around the cameraman when it happened, and suddenly the anchors that were on the news went from pilot error to we're a country under attack. And I watched for as long as I could, then I went for a run and decided, you know what, I'm 20 years old, I'm physically fit, and I love my country. So I never showed back up to class. I enlisted in the Army. I have an uncle that's a Vietnam veteran that always said, if you go in the military, go airborne infantry so you're right up front. So that's what I told the recruiter. Ended up with the 101st out of Fort Campbell, Kentucky. General Petraeus was our division commander. So I got to be in the invasion of Iraq in 2003 loved my job, re-enlisted in Iraq, so I could go back again the second time, and I was hit by a roadside bomb, and ended up losing my left arm above the elbow, my left leg above the knee, severe injury, my jaw was shattered, my right leg was severely injured, my right hand, so there's a lot of things that happened, and I struggled for a long time with that, and then of course, you know, I went through my depression and my struggles, and I don't want to get too ahead of my story, but that's what led to my injury.
0: I think, <clears throat> I mean, like we had mentioned in the beginning, uh, a lot of times when people go through situations like that, it's it gives them every excuse in the book to not go forward in life. And um, it gives them every reason to just have, uh, I guess, a pity party, right?
1: You oh, know, yeah. Like- oh, when I was in the hospital... I was I didn't want to talk to anybody. I didn't want to deal with anybody. I was upset. I'd lost one of my leg. I lost I I never how, go ahead.
0: How could you not?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and then it was like I had I didn't really like I considered the military, but wasn't so like I I respected the military, but didn't see myself fitting in that world. But then once I got in, I loved it. And I'd I'd put in my packet, did the physical, everything. I wanted to go special forces, wanted to do everything. And that was taken away. One day I wake up in a hospital and that was all gone. So, I mean, I was so depressed, so bothered by it. And yeah, I didn't want to do anything. And I've always told people that I could have just stopped right there. And people would have said, hey, I mean, he's been through a lot. Yeah. But... It was actually my children that motivated me. Uh, my, my children were very young. And one day I walked into the living room and my three kids were on the couch watching cartoons and it hit me like a ton of bricks. I realized my two boys, I'm the example of what a man is and that's what they're going to grow up to be one day. And so my little girl, I'm showing her how, her, how a man's supposed to act. And that's what she's going to look for one day. So I knew I had to make a change. And it all started with just changing my eating habits, getting back into because I wasn't taking care of myself. Fitness was something I've loved for a long time, and my depression was the worst shape I'd ever got in. I started, you know, going to mental health, changed the way I was eating, eased back into the gym, and just slowly started improving. I still made mistakes, but every time I screwed up and fell flat on my face, the thought of my three children (coughs) was my motivation to get up and keep going. And that really, just continue to this day. Like they I look, my life is amazing, but there are mornings I wake up and I'm like, oh, I don't really want to get up. But I think about the kids. And like I said, now my 14 year old is working out and that's gotten me back in the gym even harder. It's been fantastic. That is amazing.
0: Um, what were those moments like? Some of those first moments when you started getting back into fitness um, with, with just losing with losing a leg and an arm, I mean, obviously things are a lot more difficult, right? Yeah, Um, it was. What was it like? I'm sure it was kind of discouraging in some aspects.
1: Oh, it was and terrifying, absolutely terrifying. I went from, you know, a gym rat, someone who was in the gym all the time to not wanting to be looked at, terrified to go in. So I joined a 24 hour gym so I could go at two o'clock in the morning when nobody was there. Uh, and work out. And I figured out how I could work my right side and then my left side. And then, it, you know, it took a little while, but once I got it in my head that this was back, you know, 2008, 2009, and there were no books, magazines, articles online that could tell you how to work out Mr. miss on like I looked for them. So then I told myself.
0: This episode is brought to you by Red Bike Delivery. This delivery service operates only using battery-powered, eco-friendly transportation. Red Bike Delivery is there for all your delivery needs, whether it's dinner for the family, flowers for your partner, or new houseplants for your new collection. Red Bike Delivery will gladly deliver those and everything in between. So what are you waiting for? Check out Red Bike Delivery on Facebook or Instagram for more information. Red Bike Delivery, because there's only one Earth.
1: And this is how it was in the military is once you convince yourself you're doing what most people can't, then it gives you this extra motivation. And I'm not saying I'm better than anyone else, but you have to tell yourself, there's that moment of saying, I'm doing what most people would quit at. And so once I told myself that, well, then it was like, okay, how am I going to work my left side? How am I going to work? And I, I started pushing myself to do more and more. And that was my motivation to convince myself, okay, what am I doing and, and why is it important? So then I had my kids were my motivation. And then I had, you know, telling myself that I was doing something incredible and it just, it really drove me, but it took time. And, you know, and since then I felt like I have a better understanding of people who weren't gym rats, easing back to the gym or getting into it for the first time. And you know what I tell people all the time, whether you're battling with obesity or just trying to get healthy and you've never been into fitness you know, that those first steps are terrifying, but most people won't do that. And just like I told my son, getting in the squat rack, what we're doing is not normal, but we don't want to be normal. We all want to excel. And so being abnormal isn't the crazy thing. It's saying, I want to be better than what's expected of me.
0: Yeah, that's, I love that. I absolutely love that. That's so inspiring.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Um,
0: Yeah, I, the, the thing about that is too, is I was, um, last year training for a 50 mile ultra run. And I remember one of my friends and coworkers, he, he's a personal trainer and, uh, he was telling me, you know, cause I would post on social media, like, Oh, I, I ran 26 miles today or whatever. And he's like, that's more than the average person. That's more than, yes. and that, that by him saying that, that inspired me and gave me motivation to think like, like you said, nobody else is doing this you know, I'm doing more than what, what the average person's doing. And there's something to that.
1: Yeah. When I, so, I mean, you know, you mentioned like I was on dance with the stars. I was also on the cover of men's health and they called me the ultimate guy. It was actually a competition to look for someone outside because men's health always had a celebrity on the cover and they wanted to find this ultimate guy and 1300 men entered that competition and I ended up winning it And they told me after I won that some of the judges weren't sold on me. Um, But it wasn't until I had, I I answered some essay questions. And after I answered them, I thought, you know, I'm going to list all the races I've done. And I sent it in and they said, that's when they were like, this is our guy. I had more races Uh under my belt, missing arm and leg than men who had all their arms and legs. I'd done everything from marathons, Tough mutters. Spartan races, you know, the death race is a Spartan race that was 58 hours long and I completed it. So it was one of those things that, you know, I was pushing myself and that's what got me that cover, which ended up being what got me on Ellen and just set me on the course for a whole bunch of incredible things.
0: That's truly amazing. And what's crazy to think is that you were at a spot in your life where you, you kind of gave up and then you decided one day to change. And here you are. You've done yeah. all these incredible things. Do you think that you would have seen this when oh, you're no, in? No, no, not at I mean. all,
1: not at all. Um, but I'm very fortunate, very happy. And you know, I always tell people, you know, not everybody's going to, you know, get motivated, end up on Dancing with the Stars. But <laughs> that's not the, you know, the real lesson here. You know, the real lesson that I remind myself every day is I got back into shape and I started taking care of myself again for my children. Uh, they are my priority. And when I was on Ellen and then the phone started ringing, it wasn't Dance with the Stars that called me first. First Survivor called me, which I thought, man, that'd be amazing. But I couldn't be away from the kids that long. That show, they told me, they said, you go on the show, even if you get voted off, you stay with the crew, no contact back home. I was like, I can't do that. So I turned it down. Another show called, I turned it down. I didn't think anybody else was on a call. Dance with the Stars called and said, we'll put you in a house in LA for the duration of the time you're here, and I said thanks but no thanks. I have three kids here in Alabama more important than a television show. And without hesitation, Dean Katz, the <laughs> producers said, "Okay, Alabama, you rehearse there and fight back and forth for the live show." And I ended up doing it. I'd never even watched the show to this day. I don't. I've never seen a show. Outside of the one I was on, Um, but it was the best thing I ever did because it opened up this entire world. But you know what? I stood strong on my kids being a priority and I still do that. I tell people all the time, you know, when it comes to to business, you have to think of your family and, you know, the easy answers aren't always that obvious. It takes a while, but you know what? If you put your family first, you're always going to make the right decision
0: absolutely um and that's i mean that shouldn't be the goal the goal shouldn't be to go on tv or to, the reason you should better yourself is is so you're better so yes. you, you better your like you said your family and you're doing it mm-hmm. for you your family and all your loved ones around you um what is your book about when did you decide to write a book and um how can people get that
1: and all right so um the book living with no excuses i had it was after dancing with the stars people kept talking about a book talking about a book and and i wasn't sure if i wanted to and then i finally i hired a girl a good friend of mine who had did the first national story about me long before men's health any of that she just met me at a veterans thing is like i want to do a story on you i was like okay and it was just a nicely well-written story and so Rebecca Bayer is her name and I hired her. She was in between uh, jobs. So it was perfect. And so I hired her. She was my ghostwriter and it was perfect because she knew how to ask the right questions because the book is about my childhood going into the military, serving the military, dancing with the stars, all of that. But the meat of the book is I talk openly and honest about my depression. And what was perfect about hiring Rebecca was we could get on the phone and she could ask the right questions and get me talking about these sensitive subjects, you know, these topics that were hard to discuss, but they were necessary. And so I shared them openly and honestly in the book. There's a lot of highs and lows. You know, it's not a depressing book, but I mean, that's the meat of it. And the book itself, when it came out, it's been a couple of years now, but when it came out. I was terrified, I thought, oh my God, all these people that saw me on Dance with the Stars and loved me and, and saw me as this Southern gentleman, they're gonna see a side of me that isn't that pretty. There's an entire chapter dedicated to me spending 10 days in the county jail. So it's not this pretty picture, but I was trying to tell myself, you know what? If one person reads this and connects with it, then it was it's done its job. And since it's been out, oh man, the amount of people that reach out to me that have related to it or just been able to relate to someone else they know because of what they read has been phenomenal. I'm so proud of that book.
0: That is that is awesome. I, um, <clears throat> are you still there? I am, yes. Oh, okay, it cut out for a second.
1: I'm
0: sorry. Uh, <laughs> oh, what was I gonna say now? Um,
1: I'm blank now, I'm sorry. Well, the book, so, I mean, you know, the, when the book came out it actually we had to speed it up it was supposed to come out in the fall they were shooting for around veterans day and we had more time rebecca's trying to put the book together we're doing we're writing everything putting it together then it's right before the election and the publishing company says you know what we're going to have it come out in uh in august so it doesn't interfere with because everything was about Trump and Hillary. And I always joked and said, I should have put them on the cover. Even though they're not mentioning it, it would have sold better. Um, But we had to scoot it up. It came out, but it's done great. The publishing company has told me that most books, sales go up, they go down. Mine has a tail. And they said that, you know, that's word of mouth. That means people like the book. So they said it's actually very rare. So it's been really good. Uh, And then on top of that, you know, Rebecca helped me do the book. I love audiobooks, books, and uh, I love it when authors read their own books.
0: Yes, so I that do was too. The
1: one thing when I met the publishing company, that was the one thing I said. I said I want to do my own audiobook, which wasn't easy. It was much harder than I thought it was. It took like three <laughs> days of just like just it was so hard. But I read my own audiobook. So there's the audio book, and then there's the the hardback and the softback cover of the book that you can get on Amazon, or my website has a link, noahgalloway.com, that links you to, I think, the publishing company to order it from there, because you'd ask, where can you find the book? So those are the places you can find it.
0: Now, you had mentioned that you were kind of worried about putting the book out because of how vulnerable you were in it, you know, with with people seeing who you were on TV, and then them finding out who you really were, um, you were kind of concerned about how people would look at you. I think it's important to put, put that out there to put, you know, what it took for you to get to where you are now, because when people see you, they see this like amazing guy. They see a guy who's extremely fit, somebody who runs marathons or does all these races or who's on dancing with the stars or Ellen. Like, man, this guy is, this guy's an awesome guy.
1: But that's not motivating because they think, Oh, that's just, that's just him. Right. But you're right. Like to put in the book, the struggles show that I'm no different than anyone else. Right. You know, there's there's been the struggles, divorces, you know, all these different things and and pain I caused on myself uh, over and over again that we do uh, and that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. So, no, I'm glad you said that because it is. I didn't want people to think that I just lost on the legs Said, OK, let's get in <laughs> shape and go dance. Right. no, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. It's so easy. I mean, especially in today's day and age with the way social media is to become, to have a victim's mentality. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so easy to fall victim to yourself and yeah. not, not hold yourself accountable.
1: When to look at social media and think that everyone else's lives are perfect yeah, and think, why is not mine? But they're just, they're just showing you what they want you to see. I remember years ago, um, I think it was before Instagram. I did I, I built a Facebook page, and I was excited. I remember when I had a hundred followers? I was like, "Oh my <laughs> god!" You know, and then it kept growing. But then someone had said, "Does it not? Do you not feel weird sharing so much of your life and your family?" And I said, "I'm only sharing what I want to share. You're not seeing the, when I'm depressed or when the kids are acting up." Right. You know, and, you know, at first I thought, well, that's genuine. But now that's gone to the extreme where we all think that everyone's lives are perfect yeah. and we we all do it. Look, I'm not going to lie to you. I've sat in bed and looked at other people's history I'm like, oh, man, they <laughs> are doing way better than I am. But why? Why well, think that we should be excited that other people are doing well if they are? Uh, and then just always, you know, doing the best in our lives and not trying to compare. It's easier said than done but we really have to get in our heads not to compare to what's going on because a lot of times people aren't sharing the entire story. Right.
0: And I think, I think it's really cool that you were able to literally take control of your life because from what it sounds like, it sounds like you were like kind of just your life was just whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And then you were able to just grab it and just, just run with it. You, I mean, you, well, I think I was confident.
1: fortunate. I, you know, I can't take all the credit. You know, I have a, a, an amazing family, friends, uh know oh, and my children I mean it sounds so corny to say it but they'll never I don't think they'll ever understand how much they helped me because I sh- I wanted to be a good example and I'm a firm believer that leadership's you know leading from the front is how you do it you know by example you know I don't want to mm-hmm. be that person that's do as I say not as I do you yeah. know if I'm doing it well then I, I expect you to do the same because I'm doing my best to do my best. I always tell the kids, I don't expect you to be the best. Just give me your best. And that's what I try to tell myself as well.
0: That is awesome. Um, what are you doing these days? I mean, you said today that you're meeting up with a, another ch- uh, kid that had gone through some some traumatic yeah, experiences. I had, uh,
1: yeah, that was before, I think, I don't know if uh, it was recorded or not, but yeah, I'd met, I'd spoke to a school a couple months ago and then the kids wrote me letters and one of the kids... has has gone through some severe burns over the course of his life. I don't know if he was younger or what, but he related to my story and we reached out to the school and now I'm going to meet with him and his father and I'm really excited about it. You know, the the pandemic really turned my world like everyone else upside down. Uh, Here it was, I was doing a lot of public speaking and meeting greets and then all that stopped, which was kind of nice. I wanted the break but then it's like, I'm a pretty active person. So it's like, okay, what do I do now? I'm gonna lose my mind. So, you know, I'm trying to stay active in the gym. Uh, I did, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, it just stopped. Oh, can, am I still there?
0: Yeah. You're, you're here. You just froze. I can still hear you. Though. Okay.
1: Um, but, uh, you know, got back into fitness. My son's helped me help motivate me because he wanted to get in the gym. So it's got me in there. But, you know, there's, I'm doing some speaking here and there, uh, staying in contact, working with different things. There's a possibility of, uh, of a show happening. But like I told my wife, I was like, look, these things come up. They might happen. They might not. I'm not going to overthink it. Right now, all that I'm really concentrating on is just trying to be the best husband and father, you know, to be the best for my family and just trying to do everything I can. So things are kind of just up in the air right now. Okay. Uh, when you ask me what I'm doing, I'm not real sure. But to be honest, I haven't known what I've been doing for the last several years, and it's worked <laughs> out pretty well. <laughs>
0: um. Now, what? Looking back, before you joined the military and before you um, lost your limbs and went through ev- everything you had gone through, uh, you obviously were a young man with with some probably goals in mind, and you joined the military and. You, your life changed after that. What, what were some goals you had after the, after that? Because obviously I'm sure some of your goals shifted based on your situation.
1: Well, David, I would love to say that I was this, this kid that, you know, a young man that had mapped his entire life out. I was not, <laughs> I was not, I had no, look, David, I was a problem child. I didn't do well in school. I actually dropped out of school. Um, And it's funny that I ended up in college. I got my GED years later after dropping out of school. And I scored real high on the GED. And these ladies where I took the test convinced me to go to college. Wow. Um, I had no plans. I had no goals. You know, and I, I share that because as you said it, I thought, you know what? I'd love for someone that is listening to this podcast to know that, hey, we don't always have to have it figured out. You just sometimes you just got to keep churning. You have to keep moving until that happens. You know, there was a saying in the military, false motivation is better than no motivation. And you know what? I, I you know, some kids you look at in high school and in college that just, they got it together and you think, well, then what have I got? Nothing you know what, we all have something, you just have to find it. And it took me a while to find mine. I was a, I was a struggling student. And I've had people ask me if I hadn't dropped out of school and joined the military, what was I going to do in college? Well, probably wouldn't have made it. You know, in fact, (laughs) I just told my wife the other day, I think now at 40, I'm finally old enough and slightly mature enough to go back to school. I have not been capable of doing it up to this point. And, and it's, it's just one of those things that some people fit in that box better than others. And, you know, again, I point that out because not everything is so cookie cutter and perfect. And I don't want anybody to think that I had this perfect plan mapped out because I didn't. It was all just me just trying to just do my best. When I struggled at school, I got out, and I went to work and I loved working. When I worked in a plant, I was the youngest person in that plant's history to run his own crew. Found out later, they thought I was older than I was. I didn't lie about my age; they just assumed it. <laughs> Where did but you work Where did you work at? Uh, there was a plant north of Birmingham called Reno Refractories, and I when I was as soon as I turned eighteen, was old enough to work there. I got a job there, and then by nineteen, I was running my own crew. I had men in their forties that worked under me, wow. and I loved it. You know, I worked hard. I'd I'd stay in contact with people at that plant. When I got injured, I went to visit them. They said, "We'll hire you." I said, well, what am I going to do, Mr. Armleg? They said, we don't know. We don't care. We'll find it. I didn't end up going back to work there. But they said that because they knew I worked hard. And sometimes at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. Just pushing yourself as hard as you can and just knowing that eventually something's going to come into your world that fits, that clicks, and to not stress out if it doesn't happen early like it does for some people.
0: I, I think that's an important point because um, a lot of people, they, they might have a job that they don't like. And so they don't they don't work hard. They they don't like this job. They don't really care. They're not going to try their best. But I think it's important no matter what job you have, no matter what you're doing to do your best and oh. opportunities come from there.
1: Yeah, David, listen, I, I remember one time I spoke at a, a company and it was, you know, their entire staff It was a small company, but all their staff was there. And I told him, I said, you know, some of you may work your way up here in this company. Some of you may not want to stay here. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you think that if you can half-ass your job here and then go be successful somewhere else, you're lying to yourself. Because if you can't do it here, you can't do it there. And people got to realize that. Hey, you have to always be giving your best. And if you can't offer it, then, you know, go find something else. But don't think that if you... Are not doing it there that you can't do it so you should always be pushing it you know i did landscaping i did construction i worked in that plant when i was right before i dropped out i worked for a couple of months at chuck e cheese <laughs> and you know what i worked hard at that job <laughs> I Took one of you know, those things that you should never give up even though it's not a job i didn't want to stay there but yeah. you know what i wanted to give my best
0: and it teaches you skills for other jobs that you may have yeah. in the future yeah yeah um, so what kind of things are you doing fitness wise today? I mean, obviously you said you go to the gym. Do you, are you still running races?
1: What? You know, so that's funny you say that. So I hadn't been doing races for a while and I actually had told my wife, I was like, you know what? I think I want to ease back into, cause I loved it. It felt so good running. You know, I prefer also course races to merit. I hate running. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, you talk about running 50 miles. I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> I, I, I hated running when I had two legs, you know, what I mean? but also <laughs> course races, you know, you don't think about the running because you run a little bit, you do an obstacle, you run a little bit, you do an obstacle. And I love that. And I love just being out with people and getting muddy. And then, you know, how it feels when you finish, cause you're wore out. Um, yeah. I mean, you know how that is when you do an event, it just, the finish yep. is where oh, yeah. you love it. It may suck the entire time from start to right before the end. But when you cross that finish line, there is nothing more euphoric than that feeling. And I I do, I want to get back into it. And I think that, especially with, um, my middle child getting into fitness, he, he, he loves to run. Uh, then I got my oldest son, our connection is playing golf and things like that. Um, but I, you know, the fitness, is you know, right now? I'm working with my son. We're going through phase. We're doing a. We're lifting heavy right now. Then we'll get back into pushing our cardio, and we're just just showing him the the ropes of fitness has been exciting. And I I do want to get back into running races because that it just feels too good to, to not do it.
0: I think it's really cool that you're, tr- you're training your kids to, uh, that fitness is important because a lot of, like a lot of, like when I was growing up, for instance, fitness wasn't really emphasized. It wasn't really talked about. I mean, the most you would work out is like, um, during practice at like basketball practice or wrestling yeah. practice. And that wasn't really considered like a, like an actual workout. Was just training. Yeah. Um, yeah. but today like fitness is huge.
1: Mm-hmm yeah you know it's been you know so like my oldest son doesn't it, this is funny he wants to look fit but not do all the work but it's okay <laughs> i told him i was like that's fine don't just we do all. <laughs> you know i got him he does a little bit you know what i mean we're just teach him to be healthy I, I look i don't expect my kids to be you know obsessed with fitness like i was their age because we're all different you know but i do want them to be healthy we do eat healthy uh all three of the kids uh, you know eat healthier cuz like if we want to snack they love eating fruit so we keep a lot of fruit in the house and so it's been really good because it's it's of the three kids there's three different personalities and you know right now I'm talking a lot about fitness and my 14 year old son but my little girl and my oldest son you know they're healthy they just aren't obsessing over fitness like my middle son and that's okay i tell them hey i don't i'm not going to force you to go lift heavy you know what I mean? But well, let's just take care of ourselves. Right. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. It's it's very important. Um, one thing that I have kids too, um, we have a home gym and that's one thing I, I found that's really cool is my kids have grown up seeing us work out mm-hmm. and they, they witness you know, like how to, how to throw the weights around in the gym. And so it's kind of cool to see how, as the years go on, how they are incorporating some of those things and just the thing, daily things that they do, like like my son, he'll act like he's doing push-ups or pull-ups. Yeah. And he's, he's, he just turned five the other day. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of cool to see.
1: Yes, that's like we were talking about, leading from the front. I mean, all you can do, the, you can talk. I've told this, I've, I've, I've heard it and passed it on to other young parents ever since I heard it. You can tell your kids whatever you want until you're blue in the face. But they're going to become what you are. And that is seeing what you're doing, watching you. Our children watch us and they do everything we're doing, the good and the bad. And that can be scary. That's what motivated (laughs) me to try to improve my life because it's true. They do. They see everything we're doing. And so we should always be trying to show them our best self. You know, and the same goes in business. If you're a leader, you want those under you to see you working hard, to see you doing your best, to see you motivated and happy. So don't be, you know, a lazy jerk and expect those under you to be different. Yeah. So the same goes with our family and with work.
0: And I, I think it's really easy to kind of get into that rhythm too, like especially as a boss, like seeing your employees, like if you don't have to really do much, it's easy to sit around and watch them do the work and tell them what to do as opposed to, you know, getting your elbows dirty too. And yeah, you know,
1: you know, and sometimes there's there are jobs. That, okay. You, you don't have that to do, but think of, put yourself in their shoes. You know, should you at least look like you're doing, find something to do. So look like you're busy. So they don't right. feel like you're just watching them work because right, that right. doesn't motivate anybody. Right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. So is your, is your wife into fitness as well?
1: is your whole family? My wife is a yoga instructor uh-huh. that is, you know, has followers all over the world, hosts yoga retreats. She's done them in Bali for several years, but now with COVID, they're very tight on their restrictions. Um, I just went with her. She did a yoga retreat in Costa Rica in November. Wow. And yeah, no, she is, she's a lot healthier than I am. Like I, I'm, I'm a guy that likes to go in the gym, just pick up heavy things, put them down. Yep. She like, she's, more mobile than I am, she eats cleaner than I do. I will cheat a lot more than she will, um, but no, she is, and it's been great because she's another example for the children to show that, hey, you know, eating healthy is a lifestyle. You know, this is who we are, and look how healthy and happy we are in yeah. life. And so we we just hope that they follow in those footsteps.
0: Um, I was just, I just interviewed a a UFC fighter's wife the other day. And one thing she was talking about was um, like the balance of uh, fitness and like just a healthy lifestyle in general. And yoga was one of them. Mm -hmm. Um, I oftentimes do yoga because it helps, you know, stretch and I feel good after I'll do it like after a workout, like after lifting, it just makes me feel great. Yeah. Um, Is that something you do when you workout do you do you do yoga often or do you meditate oh,
1: i'm not again i'm not gonna lie to you david i don't <laughs> <laughs> um, when i did the yoga retreat it was funny to everyone there because here it is i'm married to this amazing yoga instructor and we're like this is my first class you know what i mean because she doesn't force me to do anything she she wants me to do it and i actually really enjoyed it uh not just the yoga the meditation just everything just clearing your mind And I, you know, we talk about it and she wants me to start doing it more often. And I haven't yet, Uh, but I do need to, because it's sad. Like I love, you know, getting stronger, but then it'll get to where when I can't even put my shoes and socks on because my foot seems so far away (laughs) because I can't bend (laughs) my body. (laughs) So in fact, because my 14 year old son, Jack is learning so much about fitness. We decided the other day that two days a week, he and I are going to commit to doing some yoga and meditation with my wife to improve our balance, our flexibility, our mindset, everything on our days off of working out. So we just agreed upon that last night. So hopefully next time I see you or talk to you, I'll be like, oh, I am this amazing yoga person. (laughs) You're a yogi. Yes.
0: Uh, (laughs) um, Yeah, I think I think like a good balance between weightlifting and uh, just being flexible and everything is, is mm-hmm. vital. Um, do you have to be pretty limber like with having just one arm and one you know, leg?
1: You know, I, my core, I think my core is stronger now because I do things with one arm and one leg. Because even when I work out, like days that I'm working just my right side, like my body is tightening up because usually you'd be balanced. Right. So I'm doing one arm or vice versa. So my core and then my balance is is really good. And that's been very fortunate because I'm above the knee as an amputee. And when I'm walking around, if that knee bends, I'm going down and my right leg has to be ready and stable. My center of balance is more to the right now than it was before. I learned a lot actually on Dancing with the Stars Mm. because I don't dance, still don't know how to dance, but there's so much in dance that has to do with, when one limb goes this way, one has to go that way to counterbalance it. And I was having to muscle it to do it. So it was, it took a lot of core strength. So I think that that's what's improved the most is my core.
0: That, that's really good. Cause I, like I, I could strengthen my core a little bit more. <laughs> oh yeah.
1: Mine was never looked when I was in the military. When we do PT tests, I could run fast. I could do push-ups, <laughs> I could do everything. But sit-ups cause I was, the problem was, I was skinny and never had to worry about how my abs looked right so i never worked my core enough because then for the military chubby guys well they could do sit-ups for days because they always <laughs> wanted better abs you know now i finally you know since i've been injured is the the first time my core has been as strong as it is
0: that's awesome that that's probably good for your back too your back is probably pretty yeah. strong as well
1: yeah and that's important because You know, so many things can go wrong as an amputee, Uh, you know, as an amputee, you know, if if there's one thing off on my prosthetic leg, it can cause severe lower back pain. I remember I had my lower back was killing me and I saw two chiropractors, a doctor, nobody could figure it out or they tried stretching me, doing everything. Finally, I saw my prosthetist and he said, oh, your leg's probably off. So he checked my hips and he adjusted the height of my leg by just a fraction of an inch. And my within a week my back pain went away. Wow! So it's it's so critical that everything has to be on point. Um, and which it was interesting to to realize and to make sure that I work my body my left side as much as I can. Like it'll never catch up to my right, but yeah. I have to work that side to keep everything equal. So I don't because one thing off can cause pain somewhere else, and I don't want to do that.
0: Um, so real quick, kind of going back to when after your injury, I say injury, like you re- fully recovered, but um, <laughs> um, when you I get it. <laughs> you were in rehab, what was that like? Some of the first moments when you had to go to go to rehab and rehabilitation?
1: I was, I, I was. I was a bit of a jerk. Like I was so, stu- the part of like the depression has different stages and I was in this denial for a while and I was angry. And so when it came to physical therapy, I didn't want to do it. Uh, I was determined to just, like, I tried to tell myself there was nothing wrong with me. I had a doctor ask me why I didn't spend time with the other veterans. And I said, why would I, why would I spend time hanging out with a whole bunch of cripples? You know, and here it was, I lost arm leg and I'm judging them. And it's because I was, I was afraid to, to acknowledge what had happened to me. And it took several years for me to open up. And so, no, I didn't take advantage of a lot that Walter Reed Army Medical Center is an amazing hospital. And I wish I'd have taken more advantage of everything that was there, not just the physical therapy and the doctors, but the men and women that I was there with going through the same thing. I was not building a relationship with and I should have. And it took a long time to make that connection and I regret it. Um, But I was determined to just do things on my own. And so there was a good and a bad to it. Uh, It ended up working out in the long run, but it just happened to be that way. I could have been just as successful if I would have put in the work there, but I didn't because I wasn't right in the head yet. Right, And it took, it took me a long time to get there. When I tell people that I suffered from depression and they asked, how long did it take to accept my injury and get over that? About five years, wow. five years of lying to myself and everyone around me on how I was feeling and doing. And it took, so it took a lot, it took a lot out of me.
0: Um, now did you find, because you were so depressed, did you find any like coping megani- mechanisms because you weren't into fitness, so you weren't able to use that as like a coping mechanism? I,
1: I drank and ate salt and vinegar potato (laughs) potato (laughs) chips by the bags, just whole bag, just sitting there eating them.
0: (laughs) It was horrible.
1: Um, uh, I, you know, I read a lot and yeah, there was nothing I was doing that was healthy, nothing at all. Um, it was all bad from eating, drinking, smoking, to everything I was ingesting. Um, nothing was good, and it was, like I said, I I can't stress enough, it was my kids, uh, me realizing, oh my God, I do not want them to grow up and be like this, Uh, so, you know, we all have moments in our life where we struggle, and don't know how to get over, overcome it, and a lot of books talk about our why, knowing your why, and when I talk about my kids, I always feel like I have to stop, and say, not everybody has kids to motivate them, but Find that thing that is bigger than your fear. My fear was actually stepping out and accepting my injury and seeing what I could do missing arm and a leg. That was my fear. And my kids helped me overcome that. And for any of us out there that's listening to this podcast, when you have that fear, you have to find what's bigger than that fear. And then when those moments of fear try to attack, tap into that thing that you found that you know what? This is more important than that. So almost must fear and do what I have to do because it's important for me or X, Y, Z, whatever it is. And for me, it was my children.
0: That's amazing. I, I love that. I mean, that's such a simple answer. I mean, I, obviously more like people probably want more of an in-depth reason mm-hmm. on why you change your life, but really that's a beautiful answer. You did it for yeah, your kids. You know, and I
1: appreciate you saying that it is. I always feel bad. It's not like this big ordeal but it is it's simple it's theirs right there but we overlook the simple in the you gym do. i told i've told my son i was like everyone's looking for the next big thing they always have you know what i mean you know what's next what's next you know what i mean this is the way you work out this is the. Way, and i was like right it all comes down to you know time under tension you know what i mean that's all it is
0: you just have to do the work
1: yes yes yeah
0: yeah i love that um I don't know if you know Cameron Haynes, but he always says uh, a quote that I love and it's um, no one cares or or, no one, no one cares So work harder or something like that.
1: Oh, I don't, I don't know. I I wish I knew it to help.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's nobody cares. uh, So keep, keep working harder or something like that. I love that.
1: Yeah. yeah, I mean, I know what you're saying because people say it all the time, you know, like, you know, you can you can go around griping about your day all day long nobody really cares you have to get it done and but then at the same time like you know i can't help but i'm a big advocate for mental health like that doesn't mean that if you're struggling with something you shouldn't open up to someone you're close to and then go see a professional that's different but just complaining to complain yeah no that does no good for you or anyone else
0: yes absolutely um Oh uh, crap, what was I gonna say? Um, yeah, I don't remember now. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, how long have you
1: had the podcast?
0: Um, well, I've been doing it since it's been about a year now, since January 31st of last year. I, I released my first episode, and uh, um, you loving
1: it. Are you getting just meeting incredible people?
0: I've met so many people, and it's been incredible. It's been a great experience. I've learned so much. Um, I from learning how to operate equipment and software and just talking to people. Um, yeah, I've met, I've met a lot of people. I've interviewed politicians. Um, I've interviewed a UFC fighter who lives locally near me. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's been a great experience. I mean, and I started it with just with the purpose of telling my story. Mm -hmm. and it just kind of led into all these different avenues of me interviewing local business owners and why they got started, and it's been great. It really has, Yeah, Yeah. and it obviously led me to be able to interview you, and this has been a great experience. Now, do you have
1: a background in any of this, or is it just like, hey, I want to share my story. I'm going to buy the stuff and figure it out.
0: That's pretty much how it started, yeah. I I I love that. I work at General, General Motors, so I'm not by any means like a, a broadcaster or yeah. broad, like a professional podcaster, yeah. vlogger, whatever. Um but I'm, awesome. I'm a firm believer in that whatever you do, you can always figure it out. If you really want to do it, you just got to work hard enough, like you were, yeah. like you were saying.
1: No, so, that's exactly right.
0: So, you know, it's been, a like I said, a learning experience and a huge learning curve. I've had episodes yeah. that didn't record which was super upsetting.
1: <laughs> well, you Just recently, didn't you have something like that happen?
0: Uh, I had an episode that... The, I know you had uh, to
1: redo one.
0: Yeah, yep. Yes. Yeah, my audio equipment was cutting in and out. And so I actually had to go buy new audio equipment. But yeah.
1: <laughs> hey, it, <laughs> happens. it happens. It happens. I'll tell you what, I'm going to compliment your background. I think that looks amazing.
0: Oh, thank you. It's just a shiplap wall. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, I love it. <laughs> the minute we got on, when it when you popped up on screen, I was like, "Oh, I like that."
0: <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, I'll have a sign behind me that says the name of the podcast and whatnot. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I just recently cool. set set this room up. It's a it's a bedroom I turned into a studio. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's like I said, it's been a fun and it's mainly been fun. It's been a great yeah. experience. Yeah, you know,
1: I'm, it's a, the fact that you're having fun with it, and then you're able to get you know, my story out there, your story, and different pieces of it, and other people's stories out there, like, that's amazing, that's why podcasts are so popular,
0: yeah, absolutely, because we
1: want to hear from people, yeah, you know, too often, we've always just had, you know, these people that were big names, that were the only ones doing it, and now this is a way that everybody can do it, and uh, I'm truly honored that you even asked me to come on, David, I appreciate it, I'm glad that you, you have this podcast.
0: Well, absolutely. Thank you. And I I really appreciate you being willing to do this. I mean, yeah, I've reached out to a lot of people and, you know, I don't get a response or whatever, but, you know, it it is what it is. And you were you were you responded. And I I really appreciate that.
1: You know, and sometimes and I got to say it because I know there's people who have reached out to me and I didn't catch it for a long time or may have missed it. You know, some of those people, they don't they just haven't seen it yet right so they may see it or reach out again because i know for me it's never bothered me if someone's reached out more than once my own friends know that (laughs) i'm the worst like i don't text people back i'm surprised he won't even i even have friends anymore (laughs) because i'm so bad at it Um, uh, that's one of my new year's resolutions to try to be better at responding to people at least my friends and text message but most of my friends know if i don't respond within a couple of days send that text again (laughs)
0: that's funny that is hilarious Well, um, I think we're creeping up on 11 o'clock here shortly. Is there anything, any words of um, inspiration you want to provide? I mean, there's so, so much that you talked about that I found was inspiring. Is there anything you want to hit on again, real quick?
1: Uh, You know, I think that it's one, I can't help but, you know, point out that we talked about, just like I do with my family, you lead from the front by example. And then not only that, and this Go, this coincides with leading from the front. By example, mental health. You know, I think it's critical, it's important. You know, if you had heart problems and you saw a cardiologist, well, your family and friends would want to make sure you're okay. How are you doing? Everything good? Good, there we go. Let's get back at it. You know, this is the most complicated organ in our body, our brain. And so we have to take care of it. I, I go see my mental health doctor at least once a year. I'm I'm doing great, you know what I mean. But I will go because something may creep up. Um, but I do it because it's important. Just like I go see my regular doctor to check my blood pressure, everything else. Right. So I encourage people to take care of their mental health. You know, it's you don't have to miss an arm, lose an arm, a leg to struggle and have things affect you. Right. Uh, whether it be from your childhood, from your as an adult, you know, physically, mentally, whatever it is, and take care of it because if you do it then you can be proud to know that your children or those that follow you will do the, will do the same because none of us want to see our loved ones suffer. Wow. So in order to encourage others to do it, we have to be doing the work. So it's, it's all about, if you're going to take care of yourself physically, you have to take care of yourself mentally. And if I could push anything, it's that.
0: I love it. I love that. Um, I was just talking on a podcast yesterday or that I released today, actually um, with Rebecca Gilmore, she was saying that, you know, one thing that helped her was going to therapy and she highly recommends that everybody go to therapy. I went to therapy uh, a few years back just because like everything from my past and then things that happened, you know, in my life at that point just kind of led me into this like mental state of being and it wasn't good. Mm -hmm. And by going to therapy and just sit, sitting there and talking to somebody who understood and who could, you know tell you explain how you are feeling and explain to you like how you how you what you can do different things you can do yeah. to try to try to help yourself and that helped tremendously
1: yeah it's incredible like people will not understand the gift that it is until they've experienced it yeah
0: yeah and then yeah. another thing that's helped me tremendously is working out like it sounds I, f- I sound like a cult member when I when I talk about working out. <laughs> no,
1: dude, David, I'm right on board. Look, I've told people, like, when I got back into fitness after my injury and my depression, like, it was my end. all. I was this close to going door to door and asking people, have you accepted fitness into your life today? <laughs> like, it was, <laughs> that was my, that's, I love it. No, it does. There is something that comes from working out and doing that work. And yeah. then, you know, after a workout, being like, oh, my God, I feel so much better. There's endorphins yeah. and everything. It's incredible.
0: It, it is. It, and then you see the progress you made. And you're mm-hmm. then you can look back and be like, wow, that's who I was. Now wow. this is who I am. And you now know what you're capable of.
1: Yep. I always encourage people. Don't just take a picture to look back on one day. Write everything down in a notebook. My son, we do it right because and then he before I even told him he was like oh because then I can look back and see how much stronger and better I am I said that's exactly it so it's perfect because you can because every one of us you know you're you can tell you're fit you're big that's but we nice. all hit plateaus yeah you know and sometimes you have to flip back and be like okay I'm improving it's okay you know what right. I mean I'm so much better than I was yep
0: I, um, I oftentimes think about a few years ago, I, I went to a kettlebell gym, shout out to my, my friend, Shane. He, uh, he, he's the one who kind of got me into fitness. I mean, he, he trained me from the start and, uh, oftentimes when he was training me, I would complain. I, w- I was such a baby. Like he'd put me through these workouts on like, uh, a rowing machine and I'd fall on the floor, like yeah. pretty much <laughs> crying and yeah. he was just laughing at me but it's those moments that now I can look back and be like, wow, I was so pathetic then compared to how I am now. Like I wouldn't no. do, I wouldn't dare do that now. <laughs>
1: yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> no. And I love it. And kettlebells. Oh man. I love, especially like I was introduced to it after I was injured and okay. I love kettlebells. kettlebells. I keep saying, I'm gonna go get my kettlebell certification. You should. Yeah. I want to, cause it's just, I love kettlebells
0: yeah i love kettlebells i uh just recently got a couple for christmas and uh yeah they're they're amazing yeah
1: yeah Yeah. but they can be challenging see a lot of people not do them right that's what's a little (laughs) that's a struggle and then it's that weird thing in the gym like do you say something do you not i don't know it's weird
0: i would be interested to know like do you do kettlebell swings yes how how difficult is that because when i do like a single arm swing um I'm throwing my one arm back with it yeah, to help, no, to help I mean, balance.
1: I just like in running, I, I get, I keep the movement the same.
0: Okay. So I do,
1: but then it's all, it's really just, I mean, both hips will do it, but it's mostly my right side. And when I do a kettlebell snatch, it's all power come from my right side all the way up. Right. And the biggest I've gotten, I think this is what I was working out a lot with kettlebells. I got a, I was able to snatch a 120 pound kettlebell. Wow. which I was really happy with because only me and like this small gym, only like two or three of us could do it. Wow! And I was doing it with one arm and one leg, which came in handy when I ended up on dance with the stars because I was the only dancer that could hold my dancer up with one arm. <laughs> Even the other the professional dancers couldn't figure out how to do it with one arm. You wow. know, they had to put her up with two and then let go. So it was, it were, I told her, I'm going to treat you like a kettlebell. <laughs> <laughs>
0: sure she loved that. (laughs) That is awesome. Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Um, I I found great inspiration from your story. And I'm actually haven't read your book, but I'm going to I'm going to buy your book. And I'm going to read it Uh, real quick. Can you tell people where again to find it and where they can find you on social media?
1: Yeah, so I'm I'm on uh, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Uh, I'm, all, I'm certified on all of them, but if you go to noagalloway.com, that's my website. There's links to my social media and there's links to my book or anything else that you're looking for. It's the easiest place to go is just noagalloway.com.
0: All right. And I will be sure to put that in the show notes as well.
1: Um, awesome. Thank you, David. I really enjoyed it.
0: Thank you for your service. I really appreciate it. And oh, thank I'm you. honored. I'm honored to be able to talk
1: to you. I appreciate it,
0: David. All right. You have a good one.
1: Ah, right, you too. All right, bye.